0: Christ community, Uh, glad you're here. Um, Man, I love that song. His presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, um, more than anything else. And so that's why we're here, right? And so really, really glad that you're a part of this service last last week we started a three week teaching series um, on the subject of, of financial generosity and I know I know this is a challenging topic to talk about given diff- the different financial situations and perspectives represented here but. I also know, I also know this is a life-giving topic to look at. And that's what makes me so excited to explore this together. There are amazing blessings God has in store for us in this area of generosity. So so even though sometimes it's hard to look at, it's worth it. It's worth it. So thanks for being a part of this journey as we explore God's heart in this area. So last week, we looked at Luke chapter 6, verse 38 where Jesus describes for us the principle of first Principle of first, that when we put God first in our finances, it opens a door for God's blessings to be poured out into our lap. That's the language that he used, okay? So today, now, we're looking at a second passage that promises, also promises, these over-the-top blessings. It's found in the book of Malachi, chapter three. Malachi's last book of the Old Testament, right before the book of Matthew. And, And just listen, or look at this amazing promise. This is the promise, okay? Verse 10, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I mean, it is crazy the language that God is using in this passage, floodgates of heaven being open and poured out. I mean, God wants to make sure we don't miss this. He wants to make sure we understand the amazing blessings that are available to us when we choose to practice and grow in generosity. So within this passage in Malachi, we we discover a second principle to help us grow in generosity. Last week, it was the principle of first. This week, it's the principle of tithing principle of tithing. God says in Malachi 3 that the floodgates of heaven will open when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, this word tithe literally means 10%. To tithe is to give 10% of our income to God. Now, my sense is, I know some of you are already sensing this, this whole tithing thing, it's, it can be really confusing. Honestly, it can be so confusing. We, we're not really sure. Some of us, we're just not really sure what to do with this concept of tithing, because on, on one side, or or, or on one hand, are these are people Christ followers who, who think, yeah, the, the tithing is this it's it's a mandate, it's this it's this requirement. You know, we're we're still under the obligation to tithe, um, um, even as New Testament believers. And so that's one side. And then on the other side. Are people who who claim those who claim that the tithe, you know, it was just it was Old Testament law, and it's just irrelevant today. I mean, it just has no bearing on us. It's it's no longer relevant today. And honestly, as I've been just kind of living this, praying, studying this, and honestly, I feel like both sides here are missing the real power and significance of this practice. In, in my own life and in my own study of this topic in Scripture, I'm convinced that tithing is not a legalistic requirement or mandate. It, it is not. So, this message is not going to be about it's not about guilt, it's, it's not about feeling obligated, any of that stuff. No, no, that, that, that misses the whole point. My heart is that we will see how tithing is an amazing invitation from God into a life of freedom and joy and purpose. That's how I've experienced it in my own life. And so I'm excited to talk about it. Now, now the, 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 the reason tithing is such a powerful practice is because it specifically addresses the three biggest struggles that we all have with money. Greed, fear, and lack of purpose. Okay, so let's look first at the issue of greed. Whether we like it or not, we all struggle with greed in some way. We love money, right? We love having it. We love spending it. We love the fun things that we can purchase with it. And what happens is, That we start believing the lie. There's nothing wrong with having things. What happens though is we start believing the lie that life is found in more. That life is found, genuine life is found in having an abundance of of, of things which can cause our lives to kind of get derailed, spiritually speaking. Um, And I think we all realize this. I think we all realize this. I'm not saying anything new here. The question is, how can we loosen the hold of greed in our lives? That's the real question. And and God shows us, look with me in Malachi 3, verse 7. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? So God answers, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. See, notice what is happening in this passage. God, is, he's, he's saying, people, return to me. That's the word for repentance. It's just return to me. And people say, how do we return? And, and, and he says, you're robbing me. And the people are like, which we would do as well. What do, you, what do you mean? How are we robbing you? That's a really serious accusation. So God, how are we robbing you? And God says, in your lack of generosity, you you're you're being ruled by greed. So what's his answer? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Apparently, there is something about tithing that that gets at this greed issue in our hearts. So what is that? Well, it's, re- it's related, it's, it's, it's articulated in a principle much earlier in the Old Testament in the, in the book of Leviticus chapter 27. So check this out, very important principle. And I know some stuff in Leviticus is kind of weird and all that, but there are principles there that, that are powerful. And here's one of them, this, this is a principle. A tithe, 10%, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. See, what what God is wanting to establish in the hearts of his people early on, Leviticus was early on in his dealing with his people. So what God is wanting to establish early on in his dealing with his people is this truth that he owns everything. He owns everything. We We are not the owners of our stuff. God is. So our retirement account, our savings, our house, our car, our timeshare, my golf clubs, these things are not ours, okay? They, they are God's. We are managing his property for him, which is a total game changer when it comes to generosity. Because it means... I'm a manager, I'm not the owner now. So it means that all of my spending decisions, all of our spending decisions should reflect what our boss wants, what our owner wants, right? All these decisions should reflect what is on God's heart, what he values. And that's, that's a big deal. But here's the deal. It is also something we easily forget. We forget that we're managers and we start lapsing into, I'm owner, I'm an owner, I'm owning this stuff. Right? It's easy for us to forget this, which is why God early on With his people, he articulates this principle of, of tithing to help us remember, continually remember, and establish in our hearts this foundational truth that God is the owner of our stuff. It belongs to him. We forget that. We need to be reminded of it. So, tithing is a way to be reminded, it all belongs to him. So this is reason number one, why tithing is such a life-giving practice. Tithing establishes in our hearts the truth of God's ownership. See, God says the first 10% of your income belongs to me. All of it belongs to him, but he's he's giving us a principle here to practice this. In a practical way, yeah, it all belongs to him, but I still have to live and all that stuff. So how do we practically apply that? He's telling us here. God says the first 10%, your income belongs to me, it's mine. So by giving that to God, it reminds us of his lordship. It reminds us of his ownership in our lives. Now the fact, this is brilliant, because from his perspective, the fact that it's a set percentage makes it simple. Not easy, but simple. It makes it simple. So whatever income I receive... Whatever income I receive, if it's from work, if it's from inheritance, if it's from uh, disability, SSI, whatever it is, whatever income I receive, small, large, doesn't matter. It's not about the size. Whatever income I receive, the first 10% belongs to God. It, it goes to him. Now, this is one thing that I love about the practice of tithing. See, for Raylene and I, we started this years ago. I started in college, a $60 income, $6 a month, wrote a check, two by church. But, but, but see, for us, it's just a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. We don't have to discuss it. Should we do this or not? We don't discuss it. We don't haggle over it. We don't pray about it. It's a done deal. It's at the top of our budget. Everything else comes after that. And again, the impact of this in my life is huge. It is huge because I need to be reminded, I continually be, need to be reminded that my stuff is not really mine. It's God's. So this is a way for me, tithing is a way for me to continually be reminded, oh yeah, everything I have is God's, which is so powerful and it is so, such a freeing way to live. Such a freeing way to live. It's like um, when we release everything to God, we actually possess everything. In the words of A.W. Tozer, there's something powerful about realizing I'm not the owner. (laughs) God is. There's something so powerful in life-giving. Again, it's not easy, but it's life-giving. So years ago, Raylene and I were in the midst of a disastrous financial situation. We had gotten involved in because of just some unwise um, investment Choices we had made. Choices that, quite honestly, they were they were dictated by greed. We were promised easy money, and um, and we fell for that. Um, and it actually worked for a while. And then everything went south. And we literally had five mortgage payments in addition to ours, and no no people in these properties. Um, So in the midst of that nightmare, it was a nightmare. In the midst of that nightmare, we were so tempted to say, okay, God, we're just going to put the tithing hand on hold here. Our life is a mess. There's no way we could even make ends meet. We're putting this on hold. We were so tempted to do that. But as we thought about it, we, we realized our stupid and risky investment decision didn't or doesn't negate the fact that everything we have belongs to God. So our stupid decision doesn't negate the truth that everything we have belongs to him. So we continued to tithe, giving 10% of our income to God. And he got us out of that mess, okay? (laughs) Praise God, he got us out of that mess. There is something so powerful about living our lives with God as the owner of our stuff. And tithing is a way to continually be reminded of that truth and to have that truth established in our lives. It's very, very cool. Okay, Um, now by the way, Side note here, if you're retired, I don't know what to tell you, okay? I don't understand how the tithing thing is gonna work for you in terms, because you're not working to get income from a place, so you're gonna have to figure that out, okay? Uh, but but I'm just saying, there, there are people, um, like Steve Offling on our staff is in that area, and, 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 and he's just in that kind of time period now, and he's exploring some things and discovering some things, and so he's a resource, because I honestly, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, okay? But what I know is, This need for us to continually be reminded of God's ownership doesn't stop when we hit 65. (laughs) I know that. We all need to continually be reminded that all of our stuff is God's, okay? All right, now in addition to greed, that's the first struggle. In addition to greed, the second struggle we have with money is fear. I mean, come on, right? We have this fear of not having enough. And this doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. We just have this fear of not having enough. What if I give this generous gift and then the stock market collapses? Or what if I start tithing and I lose my job and and we can't put food on the table? All these things, these are real fears that we all face when it comes to money. And these fears, these fears keep us from experiencing the blessing of generosity. So this is a big deal to look at. So how do we, again, the question is, it's not beating us up over fear. What God, the question is, how do we face our fears? How do we face our fears? How do we face our fears in this area? And God shows us. Look at what he says, verse 10. This is so cool. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is so fascinating. This is the only place in the Bible where we are actually encouraged to test God. Other places like don't test God, don't test God. This is the one place place God says, test me. I want you to test me. So what is this test about? We're not the ones taking the test. No, we're not the ones. God is the one saying, test me. He's the one taking the test, not taking the test, but he's the one doing the test thing, right? So what what, what is this test about? It is a test of his faithfulness. That's what's at stake. It's a test of his faithfulness. God is saying, look, I know it's hard to let go of your money. I know it's hard to bring your tithe to me. I know the fears that you battle, but here's the deal that I'll make with you, God says. Here's the deal I'll make with you. If you step out in faith and trust me enough to give me that 10%, I promise I will bless you. My word is on the line. I promise I will provide. God is literally daring us to face our fears and to test him, to test his faithfulness. It's like God is saying, I don't want you to be ruled by fear any longer. And you don't either. I know that. He says, I don't want you to be ruled by fear any longer in this area of your life. I don't want that. And so I am daring you to tithe. I'm daring you to tithe. The language is very forceful here. Test me. Test me in this. But you got to go first. That's what makes it a test. You go first. You step out in faith, even when it doesn't make sense. Give your tithe to me, and then watch me come through for you. So, So here we see a second reason why tithing is such a life giving practice it's because tithing builds our faith tithing builds our faith. What God is doing here is so brilliant because he is surfacing a core issue in our lives as it relates to money. Money is something we put our trust in. Even though the dollar bills that we use say in God we trust, right? How we live our lives often says In money we trust, right? Uh, You know, my security, my comfort, my future really depend upon how much money I have. My level of peace and joy depend upon how much money I have. And here's the deal, folks. When we're living that way, when we are putting our trust in money, when we're living that way, there is one thing that is guaranteed to increase in our lives. And that's fear. Guaranteed. When we are putting our trust in money, I guarantee the level of fear in our lives will increase and it doesn't matter how much we're talking about. I mentioned last week, this fascinating Boston college research study that was recently done and they studied people who had $25 million or more. These are wealthy people, right? They had $25 million or more and they interviewed these people just talking about life and you would think that these people would be carefree, right? I mean, have so much money, they would be carefree and enjoying life with all that. But what they found, these researchers found across the board was this litany of anxiety. These people worry about money. They worry if they'll have enough. They worry about losing it. They worry about where it's invested. See, if you want to live in fear, place your trust in money. And it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. If you want to live in fear, place your trust in money. But if you want to live in peace and joy, place your trust in God. And tithing is a practical way to do this. Again, it's not a requirement. It is a practical way to do this. Tithing is like this supercharged, catalytic step of faith that God is just daring us to take so that he can show himself to be faithful. That's what's at issue, right? He wants us to test him. And that's why he says, you go first, step out in faith and bring your tithe to me and then just watch me bless you. Now, sometimes that blessing from God is financial. It's a financial blessing sometimes. And many of you here, many of us have stories like that, where you stepped out in faith that didn't make any sense. You gave God a gift that was really a stretch and didn't know how it was going to come through. And the next day, a check comes in the mail, right? Or this refund from IRS you weren't expecting or whatever. And that would be miraculous, right? So, uh, but but God, God does stuff like that all the time. But here's the deal. The blessings are not... Only financial, you know, it's not always financial. And we talked about this last week. This isn't the health, wealth, prosperity gospel we're teaching here, right? So, so the blessings aren't, aren't necessarily financial. There are blessings of peace and joy that you can't put a price tag on. The ability to sleep at night, knowing that you are trusting God in this area of your life. And He's the owner anyway, you're just managing it and you're just trusting him knowing that he has been faithful to you and he's going to continue to be faithful. How do you put a price tag on that? But that's a huge blessing. I was talking with a dear retired couple in our congregation last week after the service, and, and they told me a story about how in 1994... They were attending a church in another state and the, the, they, the, the pastor was teaching from this passage. He was talking about tithing from this passage and how God commands us to test him to see if he will not be faithful um, when we choose to tithe. Okay. And, and so the pastor actually, that pastor went a step further um, and said, try this for 90 days. And if after 90 days you feel like your life and finances are in a worse situation, we will give you your money back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so the couple decided to start tithing, you know, what can you lose? Right. They they decided to start tithing and, and, and they've never stopped. They have never stopped. And with joy on their faces, I mean, they were almost giddy as they were talking about this. They said to me, we have never regretted that decision to tithe. We have never regretted that decision to test God. He has been so faithful to us. See, their faith is being built from this test, from testing God. Their faith was built. Now, the, the key issue, this is really important. The key issue in raise, that's being raised in this passage is this. Here's the key question How fully are we testing God with our generosity? That's the question because sometimes we get hung up on, oh, percentages and all that. No, that's not the issue. The issue here is how fully are we testing God in our generosity? For some of you to start tithing or to even begin gradually moving towards tithing is a huge step of faith. It is a huge way to test God. And I encourage you, go for it. I was talking with someone last night who, who, who said a few years ago, the thought of tithing was way out of reach and they were like frustrated when we, you know, someone would talk about it or whatever. It was way out of reach. So they decided they were just gonna start giving $20 a week. And after that, after a while of that, they realized, you know, our life hasn't fallen apart. Uh, and, and so then they upped it to 30 and then they upped it to $50 a week. Today, they're tithing a full 10%. But that, I guarantee that first step for them of $20 a week, that was a huge way to test God. Okay, for them, that's where they were at. Now, for others of you, honestly, tithing isn't that difficult. It's not. Maybe you've been tithing 10% for years, and it's no longer a test at all. It's pretty easy. So what would it look like for you to test God? What would it look like for you to test God? What would it look like for you to give so generously, above and beyond tithing, all that, that God has to come through for you? See, that's God's heart in this. That's God's heart in this. God loves it when we test him in this way, when we give beyond our comfort and we watch him be faithful. We watch him come through. See, he wants to grow our faith. He wants to grow our trust of him so that fear is increasingly driven back in our lives. So we're no longer living in in fear in this area. Where we're trusting and we have our, our faith in him is growing. And so that his kingdom and love are extended on earth, which leads to the third struggle that we have with sometimes with our, with our money and being generous. And that's what I would describe as a lack of purpose. A lack of purpose. We, we live in a day and age in which appeals for generosity are. Constantly bombarding us. Emails, you know, uh, mailings, the appeals we receive from multitudes of worthy organizations that are asking for donations. And in in a weird way, the combined effects of this barrage of appeals for generosity can actually cause us to become numb and sort of purposeless with our giving. And here's what I mean by that. We can easily find ourselves just responding to the next appeal. Oh, here's an email. I'll just respond to that. And then responding to this, just almost this, this is a spontaneous, not reactive, but you know what I mean? It's just depending on how, how the appeal touches our heart, right? And so we're driven, oh, that's really neat. And then we're driven here. And, 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 and just depending on how emotional and effective the appeal is. But here, I think we realize what we really long for is to know that our giving matters, right? We, we, we want our giving to be strategic. We want it to reflect the heart of Jesus and the furthering of his, of his kingdom on earth. So how do we experience that? If you're awake, you kind of probably know the answer, okay? Because uh, I've said it twice now. This is the third thing, but here, 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 here's it. Here, here it is. The, the, this, is the, this is reason number three why tithing can be such a life-giving thing in our lives. It's because tithing provides a strategic way to invest in God's purposes, see this is so fun when you look at all the scriptures which i did in preparation for this message i looked at every scripture in the bible talks about tithing old and new testament when you look at all the scriptures that speak about tithing there is a theme that emerges as it relates to one of the purposes of tithing we have already talked about two other purposes but there's another purpose to tithing that that, that emerges in the old testament when god commands his people to tithe He often instructs them, multiple places. He instructs them to bring the tithe to his house, to bring the tithe to his dwelling. In other words, wherever the people considered to be the house of God, God says, I want you to bring your tithe there. And this is so cool. God tells us exactly why he commands this. There were three purposes. All of them are revealed um, in multiple passages, but in a particular one, Deuteronomy, the, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 to 29. You're gonna look at this in your small group if you're studying this stuff. It's a fantastic passage um, to see the heart of, of tithing here. Um, so, so three purposes that we see here. One, one purpose was for the people to eat their own tithe in God's presence. Seriously, I never knew this, um, and I was setting this. I'm like, what the heck? What is he talking about here? He says, bring the tithe, and then I want you to eat it in my presence. I want you to eat it in front of me. I'm like, what is that about? Here's what it's about. It's like a tithing party, okay? God, God was wanting the people to celebrate God's beneficial blessing in their lives and to do it in his presence with other believers and to do it together. So I've heard some pastors say, and these are guys I respect and love and everything, but I've heard them say, oh, the, the, the tithe in the Old Testament, tithing was just a tax. It's really just like a tax today. I could not disagree more with that perspective because that, that's not how God presents it at all. It was a party. It was a celebration of God's provision. It was something to be enjoyed in God's presence, okay? Okay. Not a tax, it was something to be enjoyed. Second reason from Deuteronomy 14 for bringing the tithe to God's house was to provide for the local tabernacle or temple staff, the priests who served there. One of the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi, the Levites had actually given up their inheritance to land. They had given up their inheritance to land and and, 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 and jobs in order to serve in the temple. And so the tithe was actually a way to provide for the Levites so that when people wanted to come to God's house and experience God or worship God, that could happen, okay? So the the Levites were serving in the temple. And so the tithe was a way to provide for them. And the third purpose from Deuteronomy 14 of bringing the tithe to God's house was to provide for the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows. People in need in the community, So this is why in Malachi chapter 3, God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse... That there may be food in my house. See, the tithe being brought to God's house provided this community storehouse where people in need could come and be fed and be provided for and receive help. Okay, so so what we see in these passages is that there was a clear purpose in the tithe, to the tithe, in terms of God's heart and mission. It's a key purpose bring it to his house for this clear purpose of heart and mission of his heart and mission. So tithing becomes this powerful invitation from God to us to strategically, not purposelessly, to strategically invest in his kingdom. Okay, which raises the question, where should we give? Where should we give? Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, There are so many worthy organizations that are doing amazing work for Jesus, which is awesome. It's awesome to support those ministries. But I also believe that our priority, and this is a stronger conviction today because of my study of these texts, these passages, I also believe that our priority in giving should be to the church we attend. And the reason goes back to the three purposes of the tithe that I mentioned a moment ago. One, when you give to your church, you are able to receive benefit in the Lord's presence. That's why you come here, right? You experience worship. You experience teaching and community. Your children grow in their relationship with God. You and your family receive blessings here in the Lord's presence. See, your tithe helps provide for the benefits that you receive from God here at your church. Secondly, when you give to your church, you help provide for those who are staff and who are giving leadership to various areas of of ministry locally and globally in this church. See, these are people who could be in other careers and maybe making a lot more money. I don't know. They could be in other careers, but they have chosen to invest their life in the ministry of this church, ministries that you and I benefit from. I mean, my, my oldest three kids, they're now in their 20s, um, they can still quote scriptures that they learned from CC kids when, they, when we were taking them to church here, you know, and when they were much younger. They can still quote scriptures um, from, from that. I mean, the, the, the seed sown in my kids' lives, it is still bearing fruit. And then there's the, the worship and the teaching and the prayer ministry and the small groups and the youth ministry, All these areas have have impacted me and my family. So tithing becomes for me, it becomes this God-given invitation to invest in these ministries that have impacted me and my family so that other people can be impacted as well. I want other people to experience what my family and what I have experienced. And third, when you give to your church, It creates an amazing storehouse of resources for those in need in our church family, people around you who just lost a job or whatever, or or, or people in our local community, as well as around the world, which is awesome when you think about it. Every year, we as a church are able to help hundreds of people who are in crisis, Every year, we're equipping hundreds and hundreds of church leaders and church planters around the world. Is multiplying. Every year, we're investing in ministries that help rescue women from sex trafficking in Kenya and, and, and India. I could go on and on describing all the ways this church is helping people in need. In fact, the video that we watched earlier, that Weld Partners video, that video is for Weld County. It's being distributed to, to encourage churches and schools to partner together. One of our staff members put that together, Tony. He put that together on Church Time. He put that that video together. And we have Christ Community staff who are giving leadership to this movement in our city. We now have 26 schools that have been adopted by a church. Some of our staff are giving leadership to this. And so our giving to Christ Community enabled that ministry to happen, and that video to happen, which will be seen by who knows how many, and inspire more churches to partner with schools. I mean, how cool is that? See, when we give to our church, we are helping fund this storehouse, this storehouse that's not only impacting us and our family, but thousands of other people as well. See, here, here's the deal. our Together, our pooled resources can impact our community in a way that individually we could not. There's a, there's a synergy that comes. You understand that? I mean, if all of us said, no, I'm just going to keep my money and, and help. If someone comes knocking on my door for help with their light bulb, you know, I mean, a light bill or whatever, I'm gonna, I'll help them that way, which, which is totally fine. But think about this. When we pool our resources, we have people coming to this church all the time in need, all the time in need for counseling, in need for this or that. And we have a storehouse here. Because together we are pooling our resources. And so the impact we can make in our community is huge because we are pooling our resources. It creates this amazing storehouse of resources for our community. I love that. I love that. How cool that we get to be a part of this kind of vision and this kind of impact in people's lives that live next door to us and people's lives that live, live in our community and are a part of our church. We get to be a part of that, which is so cool. Now, I know sometimes, let's just talk reality here. Sometimes in a larger church like ours, we can start to feel that our giving doesn't really matter. And that we could invest it more strategically somewhere else. In fact, it, it, it's such a, we look at what we're giving and then we look at the church budget. And it's such a small percentage of our budget, we think, what difference does it make? I mean, really, they're not going to notice. What difference does my gift really make? In fact, statistics reveal that in smaller churches, in smaller churches, people tend to give more to their church because it feels like their gifts are more needed. But it is not true that your gifts are more needed there than here. It is not true in both sized churches the same amount of ministry is impacted by your gifts to your church family whether it's providing counseling sessions for, for your, some of your brothers and sisters in Christ whose marriage is struggling or helping a homesick college student find spiritual community or helping provide a comfortable sanctuary that people can worship God in or helping lots of little people each week hear about how much Jesus loves them See, so, so tithing is this amazing invitation to know that our gifts are being strategically utilized for God's kingdom because we know this place. Hopefully you trust what's happening here. You love what's happening here. You love the vision, and I do too. So it's an amazing invitation to, to be strategic about that. Now, please hear me. I want to reiterate this. I am not saying that we shouldn't give to other ministries or other GoFundMe opportunities or anything. I'm I'm not saying that. Be generous. Be generous. Man, off the charts. Give freely. Invest in ministries that you are passionate about. But, But I don't believe that God wants us to ever lose sight of the unique vision and purpose of the church that we love and we attend and we're engaged in. And the amazing impact we together can have in people's lives, including our own. So here's how this works for Raylene and I. Again, I'm not. This is I'm not. I'm just telling our story. But for Raylene and I, our ten percent tithe goes to this church as a way to give priority to the ministry of this church that we love. And then we support other missionaries and other organizations above and beyond that 10% tithe. So for us, this is again, just speaking for us, for for us, the principle of tithing has been foundational. It has been foundational in us being purposeful in our giving, investing strategically in in the ministry that we believe in, the ministry that we believe in. Now, I'm kind of a math guy, I actually taught math, high school math, uh, before I went to seminary, so I, I kind of geek out on numbers. Okay, uh, but one of, one of the numbers that has just kind of—I've been rolling around in my head, has been capturing my attention—is this. So, given—I mentioned this last week—given the fact that Christians, on average, Christians in America, on average, give 2.7 percent of their income. That's not even just to the church. That's just they just that that much. They just give 2.7 percent of their income to the Lord. And so I started to think about that. And if everyone, what it means is if everyone in this church tithe, just made a decision to tithe 10% of their income to this church, our church ministry budget would more than triple. Now, I, I get excited about that. Okay, um, that was kind of a mic drop there. But whatever, but seriously, imagine, imagine the impact. I just geek out on this number-wise, but also as a pastor, I'm like, Wow, imagine the impact of our church in this community and in our world if our storehouse, if our ministry budget was three times the amount it is today. I mean, that just, that gets me stoked. The potential of this principle of tithing, the potential of us saying yes to this invitation from God is absolutely staggering. It is absolutely staggering. Not only does it have the power to loosen greed's hold in our lives, which is huge, reminding us of God's ownership, and not only does it have the power to grow our faith and drive back fear about money, that's also very powerful. It is also a God-inspired invitation into this adventure of seeing our generosity impact more and more people for Christ. I mean, what an amazing invitation from God this is. Amen. All right, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, man, you know what's being stirred in our heart right now. Would you come? This is about you and us just hearing you and saying yes to whatever you're, you're encouraging us to do. So we ask you to speak to us right now. What, what are you inviting us into as it relates to this amazing practice of tithing. So I want you to just take a moment and just imagine Jesus. If you're comfortable doing this, we do this a lot here. Just use our imagination to apply biblical truth and to let Jesus speak to us. So imagine Jesus standing before you with a heart of love towards you. And maybe you're... you're, we talked about this last week, imagine yourself at a desk and you've got all your, your finances in front of you, statements and bank account statements and credit card bills and mortgage bill. all that stuff is just kind of, you're sitting at a desk and all that stuff's in front of you. And then you look up and there's Jesus just looking at you. And I want you to imagine Jesus saying to you exactly what God says to his people in Malachi 3. Imagine Jesus saying to you, test me in this area so what would that look like for you and me what is he saying specifically what does it look like to test him for some of us maybe we haven't been financially investing in this church at all and God is stirring in our heart a desire to start for others maybe you've been giving occasionally to this church and God is inviting you to give regularly that's a huge step Or maybe you you, you already give regularly to this church a certain percentage, but maybe God is inviting you to make a commitment to tithe to his work here. Or maybe you have been tithing and God's inviting you to grow that percentage into a greater amount of free will offerings given to his kingdom. Or maybe some other response completely. Jesus, what response are you stirring in our hearts? Let's just let him speak to us for a couple moments here. Lord, I know the heart of these people. We wanna follow you, we wanna love you, we want you to be at work in every area of our lives, including this one. And, and that's, that's our desire. And so would you help us say yes to whatever you're asking us to do? Help us and to see the value and purpose and, 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 and the, the blessings, to experience the blessings that result in response to our growing in generosity, our saying yes to whatever you're asking us to do. Pour out blessing. Pour out blessing, Lord. (laughs) As you promised, floodgates of heaven opening. (laughs) Thank you for being such a generous God. Man, you are are just, you are amazing. You're so generous to us. In fact, I heard a, a pastor say that Jesus was God's tithe that God gave us his best so that we could experience life in him. And we didn't have anything to give, to offer. God gave his best. So God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for giving your all. And, and, And we acknowledge that's the ultimate bottom line for all this conversation. It is a love for you. We want to be like you. We want to be generous like you. And and we have received your generosity so powerfully through the cross. We're so grateful. So we want to continue in this attitude of response. And there are a variety of ways to do that. You may want to just remain seated for a few moments. Maybe Jesus is still speaking to you or maybe you're journaling some things he's saying. Just continue to do that. We're, the worship team's going to lead us in some worship and, and you can stand or sit or kneel up front here if, and just engage in worship. We have people at the back. Maybe you need prayer about anything in your life. People at the back. We have full staff prayer teams this morning, volunteers there. Um, you may want to give. I know that we're not... I didn't preach on that so that people would give, you know. To, but but that may be something God's prompting in your heart. We have giving stations around. You can text to give, whatever. Well, whatever God is stirring in your heart. And we also this morning we have the Lord's Supper to partake of as a part of our worship. So at any point during worship, you can go back. There are tables at the back, tables at the front. Gluten free at every is it, there's a sex a plate with gluten free at every table. And and I just we just invite you to come. the table and be reminded of Jesus' gift for you. The Bible says though he was rich, he became poor for our sake so that we through his poverty might become spiritually rich. That's what happened at the cross and our faith in Christ. And so as you partake, remember that this amazing gift God's given you. So Jesus, we love you. We want to respond to you in these next few minutes in a variety of ways, because you're worthy of that. We love you so much. Thank you for this bread, which represents your body given for us. Thank you for the juice, which represents your blood shed for us. We thank you for your generosity to us. We love you. Set us free to respond and worship you now.